0: My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. And um, today, we're in uh, this series called Breakthrough Disciplines. And uh, we're going to talk about some things, uh, uh, actually a set of three more today. So as we're thinking about this, I wonder how many of you would like to just see something different in 2021, right? Right? Totally. I mean, and I'm not even talking about... COVID or about politics, but how about just in our own individual lives? You know, how many of us would like to see our marriages get on a better footing? Would like to see, you know, maybe our health get better or our finances get some financial freedom in our life? How many of us would love to see a deepening, growing relationship with God in our lives this year? But you know, we all have good intentions and yet, you may have noticed this in your life, that our good intentions don't always translate into real life change. And that's what we're talking about in this series today, in this in this month. We're looking at some of the reasons why and the ways that God has provided for that. And so we're looking at breakthrough disciplines, that these are the ancient secrets of what Jesus called life to the full that he promised. Now I know that we look at this, and we've been talking about disciplines all month long, and I know that word discipline has sometimes a negative connotation, right? Because discipline is hard. It takes some effort. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient uh, to practice discipline in our lives. But just think, I mean, what do you really want to see happen in your life? What do you really want to see happen in your relationship with God? You know, many of us really, we want some similar things with each other, right? People want similar things. People want to have a good, solid marriage. I've never heard anybody say, you know, I just really want to keep struggling in my marriage for the next 10 years. Never heard that. People want to be healthy. You know, we all, we all want that. We all want to, to feel good, to lose weight, whatever, to feel good, maybe to look good. And I've never heard anybody say, hey, my goal for this coming year is to just be out of shape, I mean, you could set that goal and you'd achieve it, right? We all want to have some financial freedom and health and get out of debt. And I, I haven't heard anybody say, you know, uh, my New Year's resolution is that for the rest of my life, I'm going to just live paycheck to paycheck until I'm finally able to retire at about age 85. No, we, but what, what is it? We all have similar desires in life, but why is it that... St- the results are so different for different people. Well, part of it is this. This is, an, this is a truth we need, we've been really uh, coming to grips with in this series, is that it is discipline, not just desire, that actually brings about a transformed life. Right? In other words, it's what you do, not just what you want, that actually... Turns you into a different person. And that's why we're talking about these ancient spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life to the full. And not just intentions, not just good intentions, but he wants us to actually experience a rich and satisfying life. And these ancient practices that we're discussing, these are the things that bring us into connection with Him, that allow His life to flow through us. And so in that connection with Him, then we are able to experience what He promises, what He wants for us. And so this week, we're talking about how to pace yourself. We're calling these, I'm calling these pacing disciplines, three related disciplines that I don't know if you've ever heard of them or thought of them as disciplines before, but we'll explore what that means. We looked at prayer a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully you've been growing in your experience of prayer in connection with Jesus. Last week we talked about fasting, and I don't know if you had an opportunity to try that or not. I hope you did during the course of the week. And you know what? If you tried it, I would love to hear what your experience was. So if you want to take a minute after the service, come and tell me, share with me what your experience was of fasting this week. And this week we're talking about three pacing disciplines. What I mean by that, the, the, re- the, the reason we call them that is because these are disciplines that help us to slow down in life, that help us to turn down the noise in life so that we can actually connect more Deeply with Jesus. Right? Life is stressful, isn't it? Right. And if you struggled with the pace of life, or you find yourself being anxious a lot, or you just feel like overwhelmed with all the pressures and demands that life brings your way, then, then I'm talking to you today. This is messages for you because one of the side effects of living a hurried life. And living a life that's just overwhelmed with input and influence and and stimulus from every side, not only do we get anxious and worn out and and, uh, stressed out, but one of the side effects is it becomes harder and harder to carve out time just to connect intimately with Jesus, And so today, I hope you're going to see the importance of these pacing disciplines And not only just see the importance of them intellectually, but I I hope that you will feel the the call, the invitation of these things. Because for some of you, when we talk about this, you're going to feel like this is like a cup of cold water on a hot, thirsty day. And yes, they're disciplines, meaning we have to be intentional about them, practicing them. But there's something about these disciplines that is inviting, that's appealing. And I think you'll find your soul Just calling out for for connection with God in these three ways. So the first one is the discipline of slowing. Have you ever heard of that? Slowing. Here's the problem. A hurried life keeps us from being present enough to love God and love people. Here's the solution. Slowing is intentionally putting ourselves into situations that teach us to wait. You know, there used to be a thing called spare time. Remember that back in the day, right? Maybe when you were a kid. With, even with all of the technology, the labor-saving, time-saving technologies that we all have, we still find ourselves like, like without any spare time, right? I saw a survey from USA Today that showed everybody they talked to said, look, I feel like I'm busier this year than last year than the year before that, you know? And so why are we so busy? Somebody even, uh, a scientist even came up with this syndrome that he could identify called hurry sickness. And it's when you're on the go, always rushing, everything is urgent all the time, your body, you're on adrenaline, your body's in alert all the time. And, and so your blood pressure goes up, your heart gets stressed out and gets weaker, and, that, and you get irritable and you get fatigued and, and uh, you, you, know, you, you get emotionally frail and vulnerable. And so some of the symptoms of that, he says in the article that I read recently, when you feel like it, you have a compulsion to switch lanes in the checkout at the supermarket just to find the one that's going to move you the fastest, right? And then, uh, you know, this, he didn't say this in the article. I've experienced this, right? You, you get it all figured out, you switch lanes, and then the person couple in front of you like they have a problem with their credit card. Ha ha, gotcha, you know, right? Or, or he says, here's a symptom. is when you feel like you have to change lanes and traffic all the time just to get a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead. Or he says, like when you're multitasking, trying to do all these things at once and you totally forget one of them. Or you're working on something and you have to do it all over. You have to start over and do it all over because you were too busy and rushing and trying to do it too fast and you didn't do it right. And so my question is like, you think about your week, How many uh, of you, how often have you felt like you're behind schedule? And what what percentage of your time this week have you felt like you're hurried? 10%, your waking hours, 20%, 50% more? See, here's the thing is that when we're living this hurried lifestyle all the time, push, push, then it makes it challenging to really be present and connected with people that we love in our lives and even to be connected with God know, I can remember back in the day, you know, I had kids living at home back in the day, and you know, I've learned and I've grown in, in different ways, but it used to be really hard for me to decompress and to shift gears from work to home. I come home and dinner, sitting at a dinner table, and instead of really engaging my family, I'm just thinking full boom, boom, boom. All the things that didn't get done in the day is still going through it in my mind. You know, so I'm not able to be fully present with the people I love. And the same thing is true in your relationship with God when you're just obsessing about all the things that have to get done and all the pressures of life, then then you find out that you can't really read God's Word with concentration. You can't really focus in your conversation with Him. And it's really hard to listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you through His Word and through His Spirit in, in those moments. And so the answer to this hurried lifestyle is the discipline of slowing. Now, what I mean by that is it's when you intentionally put yourself in a situation where you have to wait. Like, why would anybody, you're going like, why would anybody ever do that? Why would I intentionally want to wait? Well, it's because it's a process where we're purposefully recalibrating our inner clock, purposely recalibrating our whole relationship with the community and the culture around us so that we just tick a little slower, right? And so, way to do that is like maybe you decide I'm just going to drive in the slow lane the whole way. I know I can hear it. I can hear it. It feels like fingernails on the chalkboard, right, when I say that. But, but what about, why would you, you do that in order to consciously say no to the pressure of hurry? To consciously say, no, I'm going to slow down, right? And so you've seen everybody rushing around, and I just wonder, you know, you see somebody go flying by you on the highway, and a few minutes later at the gas station, there they are, and you're there. Like, you got there like two minutes behind them. And they're going crazy to get there. And I'm going like, that three minutes that you saved, is that really going to make a difference in your whole life today? But, you know, living a less stressful and calmer life might make a difference in the rest of your day, right? So, so slow down. Drive the stolen. You might do this. So you got your task list, right? Some of you keep a list of the things you want to accomplish every day. And so take your task list, beginning the, the day or the night before, and just, just cross off the bottom three things on the list. Boom. In other words, give yourself a little bit of a cushion to not hurry and push so much. Maybe you want to take the long way home on purpose. Maybe driving home from church today or or driving home from work tomorrow, you just say, I'm just going to take the long way home. Why? To just sort of recalibrate myself to the principle of rest. Okay, where do we see that in the Bible? Here's an interesting passage that might be uh, illuminating for us. In Matthew chapter 17... Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone, and as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that His face shone like the sun, and His clothes became as white as light, and suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Well, this experience is called the transfiguration, because the divine glory of Jesus is revealed, God's showing Jesus in a whole new thing to these disciples... And these Old Testament prophets show up. And wow, what a moment that must have been for Peter, James, and John to be in the middle of experiencing that. Well, look what Peter, how Peter's responding to that in the next verses. In verse 4, Peter exclaims, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So in this beautiful, powerful, divine moment... Peter does something that I can really relate to. He has a compulsion to do something. Right? He can't just sit. He can't just enjoy the moment. He can't just take it in. He's got to do something. You ever felt that way? Well, what happens next? Even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Even as Peter is putting this, this plan on the table, God appears. He just interrupts him and says, and says, Peter, just stop. Peter, stop it. Listen. Listen to him. Now, Peter wasn't doing anything that was bad, that was wrong. And a lot of the things that we're chasing all day long in our busy, hurried lives, they're not necessarily bad stuff. But they put us in a mode, a mode of being where it's hard to be fully present with the situation that we're in and with the people that we're around. So God says, look, I'm gonna reveal my son to you in this whole new way. Just listen to him. God says, I love him, man. He's my beloved son. I want you to love him too. Okay, that's that's what slowing can help us accomplish. Here's how one quote from John Ortberg, talking about this discipline, he says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time. And time is one thing hurried people don't have. Is that speaking to you today? Maybe you need to figure out ways to slow down. Now, it's a discipline because it takes intentionality. It's not what our culture would lead us to do. But hopefully, as you... Learn this, you can see how incredibly appealing and how beneficial, how much worth it it really is. So, now let me give you a second one that's related to this along similar lines, and it's the discipline of solitude. Here's the challenge that a crowded life gives the world permission to shape us into its mold. Solitude, however, is withdrawing from the constant barrage of stimulation to let God transform us. So, if Slowing addresses the problem of our hurried, busy lives, and solitude is all about this constant barrage of influence and input and stimulus that we're always getting from the world around us, and if we allow that to go unabated, whether it's from people, voices, media, wherever it's coming in from all the time, if we allow it to go unabated, then we give the world and its values, its behaviors and customs, we give it free reign to have influence in our lives. So some of you don't ever really spend time to get alone. That's not good for your soul. And not only, see, is it unplugging us from the influence of the world around us, but when we're getting alone, it also allows us to come to God without distractions so that He has a more opportunity to shape us and transform us into His image, the image of His Son. So here's how uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about this. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, a lot of this has to do with our interaction with the Bible. We're going to dig into that more deeply next week. But part of it also is, look, if you're aware of the influence of the world around us, then why not unplug from that once in a while? Why not take some time to be alone to let God have opportunity to work in our lives? Now, here's a great illustration of this in the life of Jesus. It's in Mark chapter 6. I'm not going to read it all, I'm going to refer to it, so you might want to open that up and read along with it in, in case you, know, you, can, you can follow the story and the details for yourself. But in Mark chapter 6, you might call it Jesus' busy week. So the first thing that happens is Jesus is rejected by the people in his own hometown in Nazareth where he grew up. They, they hear his claims and they reject him. And then the next thing that happens is he takes the 12 and he sends them out on a, like a ministry trip to go to the surrounding areas to share the good news of God's work. And he sends them out on their own. And then while they're still gone, he gets news from somebody, I guess, that, that his cousin John the Baptist has been executed by this evil king. And so think about the emotional roller coaster that Jesus is on. He's disappointed in his hometown. He's maybe excited by sending out the 12, but also maybe some trepidation there about what they're going to do and how they're going to be. And then he gets this grief-striking news that he's heartbroken, that John the Baptist has been killed. So what a, what a draining period of time that must have been for him. Now let's pick it up in verse of 30, what happens next? The apostles now have returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, told Him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and His apostles didn't even have time to eat. So the, the 12 come back from this minute mission trip. And they're excited, they're telling everything they've seen, everything they've done. It's like when your kids come home from camp or from a field trip or a birthday party and they want to just tell you everything that happened, but you're totally stressed out and everything's been going like you're overloaded. And you can see how overloaded Jesus was, people coming and going and making demands of him so they didn't even have time to to eat a meal. And so Jesus says, look, guys, let's just unplug. we got to get away. We've got to go find a quiet place and rest a while, okay? So in the next verse, in verse 32, it says that they went off to, to be alone. But you know what? In life, plans don't always go the way you think they're going to go. Things don't always work out. So what happens in verse 33 is all the people sniff this out, and, and they realize that Jesus and the disciples were gone. They followed Him, and between ten and 20,000 people, crowds, followed them, and suddenly, you know, can you imagine, you go away for a vacation, and you you open the front door, and you realize, man, there's all these people who who came with you, and so I guess Jesus really didn't have the chance that he wanted to to get away, and then on top of that, they're far away from anywhere, they don't have anything to eat, and so in verse 35, Jesus does this, this miracle of feeding the crowd, and so... Man, all of the plans to have solitude have just gone down the tubes, right? Well, here's what happens in verse 45. Picking up the story, at the end of the feeding, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. So finally... Everybody's been fed. Everybody's been sent home. Finally, Jesus has an opportunity to go and be alone with God. Now, I know some of you guys, if, if you're going to have a little bit of alone time in your life, maybe you feel guilty about that. Like you're not really supposed to do that because there's people who are depending on you who need you. But you know what? Jesus made it a priority why? Because he wanted to spend time with the Father. And he realized that that unless we can shut out some of those distractions and some of that noise that's coming at us, then we're not really going to be able to fully engage a relationship with God. So, you know, if Jesus needed it, why wouldn't we? We would certainly need it. You don't have to be a monk living in a monastery to get some solitude. And frankly, you've got to understand, though, that our... Culture is not going to help us in this regard. So how do you do it? How do you get a little bit of solitude in your life? You know, you got to think about your schedule. And, and so maybe on a regular basis, you get up a little bit early, five or ten minutes early. Uh, before all the alarms go off in the house. And maybe it did not have to even be every day, but you do it often enough to start to establish a little bit of solitude. Or maybe on your way to work, you leave home 10 minutes early so you can stop. Or you come home, you get home 10 minutes late after work so you can stop in a park or a peaceful place or somewhere you can just have a moment of solitude. You know, if you're a parent, you know, parents, if, if you're both at home, you know, you gotta work this out and help each other out so each one of you can... Pick up for the other one to give each one of you a chance to have some time where you're free to go and, and experience some solitude. But whatever plan you make, here's a lesson from what we see from Jesus. Whatever plan you make, you have to, you know, it, 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 if it doesn't work out, you got to stay with it, right? Something's going to come up that you didn't know was going to come up, and your plan will be sidelined for a while. You've got to stay with it. Jesus stayed with it until he finally had the opportunity because we all need this kind of solitude with God. You find if you're not getting it, after a while your relationship with God starts to get pretty thin. And the world around us, the culture around us, all these other voices start to have more and more opportunity to shape us into their mold. Okay, so first then we have slowing to deal with the pace of life. We have solitude to deal with all of the stimulus that the world around us brings. The third one, we're calling it silence. Silence. We see that a selfish life tempts us to use words to control things, but silence is choosing not to speak so you can hear from God and learn to submit. How many of you got a little uncomfortable with just 12 seconds of silence? Because we always have noise in our life, right? We all, some of us, we just have to have something going all the time, like the TV's on in the background or the radio's on. We're listening. You know, all of our notifications are buzzing all the time on our phone, day in and day out, hour in and hour out. And, and some of us have forgotten how beautiful and how significant silence can actually be. So this discipline of silence has two sides of it. The first side is when we turn down the noise around us, right? We, we kind of buffer ourselves from all of the voices, all of the stimulus, the, the, the sounds that come in in all the different ways, whether it's from, from people's voices or whether it's on the media, whatever. But the second part of it is when we silence ourselves. We silence ourselves in order... To hear more clearly from God and to learn how to submit to what, to what God wants to do in our life. Okay, so a lot of us are control freaks, right? And I mean, everybody has some desire to control our environment, right? Uh, and part of our addiction to words, I think for many of us, is a reflection of our desire to be in control of what's going on in our life. And so we use words as a tool to do that. If you want to influence somebody to get them to do what you want them to do, you're going to use words as a big part of that, right? Or if you want to influence a situation, you want it to turn out the way that you want it to turn out, you're going to use words a lot of times as a way to try to influence that situation. So often our speaking is a lot about trying to be in control. Now here's a quote that might help explain what I'm talking about. Richard Foster says, One reason we can hardly bear to remain silent is that it makes us feel so helpless. We are so accustomed to relying upon words to manage and control others. He said it makes us feel helpless when we're silent. You know, if you're you're silent and you're not defending yourself, Feels a little helpless, doesn't it? Or if you're silent and you're not influencing the outcome of the situation that bears upon you, then that feels a little bit of helpless, doesn't it? But, you know, are we trusting, learning to trust in God? And that's why we talk about learning to submit to what God is doing. In fact, a lot of times we can use words to try to control God, right? That's what we talked about in prayer, that it's not just all about talking. It's not just all about telling God. It's not just laying our agenda on God and hoping, you know, expecting Him to to meet all of our needs. But silence is a big part of prayer because that's where we're saying, God, you know what? I'm just going to submit to what You want. And I'm going to listen to see what Your Word and what Your Spirit tell me in my life. So this is a great verse that that kind of captures a picture of this. Ecclesiastes 5, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It's evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises. Don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you're here on earth, so let your words be few. God is in heaven. The implication of that is we don't have to use words to try to make things happen because God is in heaven. And when we're, when we're spending a lot of energy on words, he says sometimes some bad things can happen. We'll make promises that we aren't going to keep. We'll bring trivial things before God that we don't really need to bring before God because we're not submitting to Him. And, and so the same thing happens in our relationships with other people too when we just are prone to a lot of words. So that's why there's a, one of the Proverbs that says, It says, when words are many, sin is not absent. Isn't that true? So often, we just need to learn sometimes that we don't need to fill the space with our voice. So so here's the thing. So I want to encourage you to think about ways that you could silence the outside uh, noises. Can you go, what would it be like to go for an hour without any outside noise? noise, without a radio on or a podcast on or a TV on or talking to anybody, what would it be like to be that alone with your own thoughts and with God? Or what would it be like to just silence the notifications on your phone for a day? And then there's the other side of it. What if you were to choose to actually be silent. What would that look like? Maybe, maybe that means on social media you're not going to post anything or reply to anything or, or you're just going to just be silent in that, in that venue. Or what about you go to a group, you go to dinner with a family, you go to your small group or whatever, and you just say, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet tonight, and I'm going to make space for other people, and I'm going to make space for God in this situation. So here's a verse that I think that finally, that kind of summarizes all of these three disciplines that we're talking about today. It's in Psalm 46, verse 10. God just says, be still and know that I am God. God says, look, just chill. Right? That's what these disciplines are about. And know that I am God. God says, let me be in God. Let me, God. let me be in control. And all of your busyness where you're trying to be everywhere and do everything at once, God says, you know what? That's my job. And all of your talking where you're trying to control things and make them come out your way, God says, that's my job. And all of the noise that we listen to and all the inputs we have coming in because we want to know everything. We want to be, om- we, we be omniscient about everything. God says, look, uh, that's my job. So just be still. Slow down, get alone, turn down the noise. You know, in our culture that we live in, our culture promotes busyness. Our culture promotes stimulus. But for 2,000 years, Christians have been living out a different kind of approach in order to connect more deeply with God. God. I know some of you guys are saying today, you're going like, man, I wish I would just stop pushing, pushing, pushing. I wish I could find a way to create that little calm place, that restful place in my life. You say, I don't even know what it feels like to live without my my phone in my hand or without my notifications on. And some of you guys are going today like, you know, I realize that through my hurry and through all the distractions I let in my life, I realize that my relationship with God has suffered. What are you going to do? So I just want to challenge you and encourage you today. Just pick one thing. One thing out of these three disciplines. Just pick one thing to, to slow down or to be alone or to turn down the noise. Just pick one thing you're going to do. You can make that plan even right now. One thing that you're going to do. And as you, then you experience that this week. That might give you some insight From God about how to establish that on a weekly basis, to establish these disciplines of pace in order to know God better. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your goodness to us that you want to know us. You invite us into a relationship with you. You invite us to come to you, and yet, God, sometimes we're so busy, we just never get there. We never carve out that time. Sometimes, God, we're so distracted by all the inputs from the world around us that that we can't hear, hear your invitation. And God, sometimes there's so many demands on our lives and so much noise that we long for something better. We get to the end of the day. God, and we're tired and we're stressed out and we've been pushing, pushing all day long and, and, we, and we wish that we could get a rest and we could get a break, but the next morning we wake up and we go at it again. So I pray, God, that for each of us, you would give us some insight, some wisdom about how to manage our lives differently, how to manage our lives in ways that make space for you. Give us your power, God, to be able to say no to the constant push of the culture around us, to hurry, to be busy, so that we could experience what you have in store for us, God. We pray in Jesus' name for his honor and glory.